Welcome, everybody, to the No Relation NFL Podcast with Matt and Bill Williamson. Matt, how you doing? I am great, man. Just got back from the gym. It's been a busy day. I'm watching tons of preseason over the last three days or so, and uh, ready to rock here, man. Cool. Yeah, we're going to dig into the preseason soon uh, after getting into the, all the topics, the, all the news that's happening today. And I tell you what, man, you can tell the season is coming because the news is really coming hard and we have so much to talk about today, so uh, we are getting close to the season. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, you and I talk on these once a week, and it, it, it's just a pile of things to talk about over a, you know one week of pre. You know, we've only had one. You know, every team's only played one game, and there's yeah. news that is just piling on top of each other. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's pretty wild. But that's the league, and the league moves fast, and people love it, and. Uh, here we go. I want to talk about, you know, the camps that we've been at recently. Um, I went to Seattle last Thursday. I was at Denver last Tuesday. We talked about that. And then have you been at the Steelers the last couple of days or during the weekend? No, no. Since we were – well, I guess we talked on Tuesday. We I've been there since then. I went last week. I was there Wednesday, Went spent Wednesday night, was there Thursday and came home late Thursday night, and then I went to the game on Friday, Steelers-Lions, okay. and I will be back at the Steelers game and doing the post-game show to one. We do the post-game show to one in the morning, <laughs> and I'll be doing that on Thursday for Steelers-Eagles. Take a nap. Uh, yeah, hey, uh, <laughs> what's going on with Darius Green there? I mean, it seems like there's some reports of some health issues, and, it, you know, he, he hasn't, you know, he hasn't been on the field, and there's some concern there. What are, what are you hearing? What's what's the worry in Pittsburgh, and what would the effect be if he is out a while? Yeah, and I don't know a lot more than the headline, although I've discussed it probably on five or six media outlets since then. And the, and the headline basically says Green could retire, Steelers could cut him because of a chronic headache situation. Um, what I know other than that was – you know, he is presently on the pup list because of an ankle. And if you ask Tomlin, and he has been asked directly, you know, right after the game, I read, you know, I heard his quotes, and he said that is the only reason he's on the pup. It's not the headaches. There's speculation of, you know, that that's not true. And who knows? And what, what something that, you know, Green had mentioned when the Steelers were talking to him were, he was having sinus headaches, you know, not concussion-related headaches, and supposedly those were better at the time. The Steelers were aware of that, that he does have a concussion history, and there's talk that if, you know, clearly they were counting on him. You know, Mark Davis Bryant's out of the lineup. They're going to a much different player at tight end than at any point in my, my life, really, let alone, you know, Heath Miller, who's the latest they're looking for a field stretcher. They're looking to alleviate some of that Bryant loss with a fast tight end that can get down the field. You know, a red zone guy, he's obviously um, a much different body type than Wheaton or Antonio Brown. Their receivers are a little on the small side. Sammy Coates has stepped up and played a bad game this past week. So they're counting on him. And, and not only that, but if, you know, they would have used that money elsewhere. They would have went and signed a corner or brought back Steve McClendon or whoever. But, you know, obviously this is a chance to be wasted money, wasted investment if he never gets on the field, if he ends up retiring, and maybe they go after his signing bonus. Yeah, you know, and then the Steelers aren't a team that spends a lot in free agency. They're, they're a lot like the Packers with a pretty, pretty um, 
you know, modest with their spending and very cautious. And so this is certainly not going to help them want to spend more down the road in free agency if they get burned here. Yeah, you're right. And like the Packers, they went out and got a tight end, and Packers got Jared Cook um, in a market that didn't have a lot of tight ends, and it was a weak tight end draft. So, you know, they made that a priority of, you know, that's the one position outside the organization they thought they needed help with a veteran. And they're not getting it. And it's funny because leading up to minicamp, training camp, preseason, the two guys I kept talking about that I can't wait to see in the Steelers' uniform are Ladarius Green and last year's second-round pick, Deshaun Golson, and he's out for the season. So I've seen neither one of them play football yet. And uh, I'm sure that's killing the Steelers a lot more than it's killing you. I would imagine. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, uh... I was at the Seahawks camp on Thursday, and I tell you what, I, I'm not super big on training camp practices and going to one practice for two hours and coming back with this great feel for a team. Like, they're right. definitely going to do this because of what I saw on a Wednesday afternoon in early August. But the Seahawks are loaded, and, and it's just this looks like a really impressive team. By far the best team I saw of the five I was at, and that's, Seattle, Denver, San Diego, Oakland, and Dallas. I mean, Seahawks got it going on, man. They are loaded. What, what, what are your thoughts about this team? I think yeah, they fell off the radar a little bit because, yeah, you know, I feel like they people had, were sleeping on they them. They had two Super Bowls, and then they went, you know, went and lost in the playoffs, and now people are kind of forgetting about them. But that's foolish in my thoughts. I 100% agree. They. They might be the best team in the league, and if I were doing a power ranks right now, I think I would put the Patriots first and Seattle second. Um, but I think that they're, you know, you look at the AFC or the NFC. I think Arizona, Green Bay, Carolina, Seattle are all the class of the conference. Um, I have a question for you, and I'm, you know, it's just things I'm reading. I have a concern: is who's the backup to Russell Wilson? You know, I can't come up with a worse backup situation in the league than what's going on in Seattle right now. And Boykin played a lot of snaps this past week. And I'm hearing really good things, and you always seem to hear good things about Christine Michael this time of year. But everything you're reading is, you know, and talent's never been a problem for this guy, is he's really playing well. Yeah, who, who was the last person you said, Michael? Christine Michael, yeah, the backup running yeah, back. Yeah, yeah. They drafted They're excited two about him. They really think the light is turned on with him. Really? And, you know, I was hearing so much about Rawls from the Seahawks and the Austin. Guys are telling me, you know, inside the organization, we're going to be okay without Lynch. We're going to be definitely okay without him in the locker room. But now we get to camp, and they're not really talking about Rawls. They're talking about Michael. And I think, again, the, the, the light has really come on for them. They feel great about him. And as far as the backup, I did address that while I was there. And it, it is Boykin for right now. And um, but you can't think that's gonna ha- that's gonna be the case in four weeks. You've got to think they're gonna be look at the the waiver wire, uh, you know, for a backup quarterback in in early September. There's been some rumblings that hey, what Tavares Jackson gets his off field things figured out that they may go back to him. Um, but you know what they're banking on is that. Russell Wilson has been healthy for, you know, every game of his four-year career. He's a little guy, but he's been durable. And, you know, 
we're going to win with this guy, and if, if he gets hurt, we're going to have trouble win, winning anyway. So not that they're not that they're blowing off the backup quarterback position, but you know, the, I get the sense that they feel like it will figure itself out. Yeah, and there is a line in thinking that, hey, we would love to have a good backup. You know, we would love to have somebody we can trust. But those guys are expensive, you know, veteran-wise. Um, they needed a lot in this draft class, so they didn't use a high pick on them. And kind of like you mentioned, too, that the line of thinking is, hey, if Wilson goes down, our season's over anyways. I mean, it's ridiculous thought because you got to play the games anyways, but it's kind of it's kind of true. You know, I mean, how many backups can save your season? Right, and that, you, know, you know, would you rather have that money on somebody to protect Wilson, or for catch the ball from Wilson, or hand the ball from Wilson, or would you rather, you know, go 500 with a high-end backup? Right. There's logic behind both, especially with such a good defense. Right, right, and that's, they think their defense is better than it was in 13. You know, wow. the defense that, that dominated the great Peyton Manning offense in the Super Bowl. They they think they're deeper. They think they're uh, key players in their prime now. And they love Jerron Reed, the defensive tackle, the rookie. They love their whole rookie class. I'm telling you, it's, uh, it's an heck of a program out there in Seattle. And I, I think I really – and I talked to some players. I, you know, I said, I think people have forgotten about you because you lost in the playoffs. And they're like, you know what, that – that may be, but that we've learned from that because we've seen both sides. And uh, confidence is sky high. I just left there so impressed. Sure, there are some questions on the offensive line, but, again, they think highly of the rookies. And, you know, there, if there's some key injuries on the offense, there could be some trouble. But, you know, we saw, we saw defense win the Super Bowl last year, and I just think Seattle's really got to be a, a major factor. And so, what's so interesting is – a few years ago when the 49ers and the Seahawks were probably considered the best two teams in football. Well, it, that may happen again this year with the Seahawks in the mix, but with the Cardinals taking the 49ers' place, that these, two, you know, again, two NFC West teams may be the very best in the, in the game. Yeah, and I think you have a strong argument for that. And we don't need to talk about them, but there's three young guys, I think, that could step up in a big way on this defense, too. And they always have somebody. You know, Actually, four of them. You mentioned Reed, the second-round pick this year. The fourth-round pick in 14, Kevin Pierre-Lewis. I think you know he, he's not going to beat out Bobby Wagner or K.J. Wright, but he could replace Irvin to some degree in you know, his snaps at the linebacker position. Jordan Hill is a third-round pick in 13. Um, he's an upfield penetrating defensive tackle. And the last one, who is probably the best of the group, is the second-round pick a year ago, Frank Clark. So uh, they have a handful of younger guys that they've drafted for this reason that are, you know, primed to step up. They're raving about Frank Clark. And they're saying that they probably should have played him a little bit more last year, and they feel like he's going to be a better option than Bruce Irvin, who went to the Raiders for, uh, you know, four years, $37 million. So I think he's a guy – to, to watch as well. So the, the Seahawks seem to be reloading. Yeah, I, I think we could probably move on from Seattle. I, I agree with you that, that them are they are one of the top teams in the league, loaded on both sides of the ball. Wilson's ready to take the next step too, and really he played better than any, maybe better than any quarterback in the league during the second half of the season. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, and, and he, he looked really good in practice. Again, 
you know, an early August practice, but they think like he's taking strides. And that makes sense because he's probably getting into his prime. So, again, there's not a whole lot not to like in Seattle. Let's go to the news today, and there's plenty of it. Uh, Marcel Darius in Buffalo, the Bills just confirmed that he has been suspended for four games. Um, again, the hits just keep coming for this team, don't they? It's like all bad news for the Bills. You know, I mean, yeah. with, with the exception of, you know, locking up Tyrod Taylor, uh, and it sounds like there's good news on Watkins' injury, but, I mean, that's still a negative in general, his injury. Everything's bad news. I mean, their top two draft picks aren't going to be in the equation, Raglan probably at all, Lawson for some time at least. Their, their pass rush was amongst the worst in the league last year to begin with. You know, they were counting on those guys to play a lot of snaps as rookies. And Darius, who played injured a lot last year, is really the rock of the defense, and now he's suspended. So besides the corner position, there's not much in this defense that I'm high on. You know, Jerry Hughes I like, don't get me wrong, but I don't really like Rex's brother as the defense coordinator either. You know, I mean, his track record is horrendous. You know, if his last name was, Williamson or Williamson, I don't think he'd be a defense coordinator right now. Right. right. You know, before we leave the Bills, you mentioned Tyrod Taylor. I don't, I don't know. I, I didn't watch much of him last year, so I'm certainly no expert on him. But is he worth a six-year uh, deal? I know it's protected and there's some, you know, it's a typical NFL deal. But still, they're saying that we believe he's going to be the quarterback for you know, the immediate future and beyond, is he worth it? It's a weird deal, though, Bill, and and other teams have done it because they're paying him close to $10 million this year, and that's guaranteed. And I think player and team are happy with that. You get a starting quarterback for $10 million, that's a good deal, you know, and I think he's only getting better. But then next year, after the season, they have to decide. The rest of the six-year deal will kick in this year if they choose to. And in order for that to happen, though, they have to pay him, and it's guaranteed, I think, $27.5 million next year. You know, in 2017, you're paying Tyrod Taylor $27.5 million bucks. And if you don't do that, he hits the open market, then he probably pulls in, who knows how he plays, but he probably pulls in, I don't know, $15 million a year or something like that. So it works out for him pretty well. Okay, you get $9.5 million this year. I'm sure the Taylor family is pretty happy with that. It's guaranteed sure. no matter how you play. And if you play well, if you play poorly, they're not going to give you money. You're going to hit the open market, and you're going to make something. You know, you're going to be a free agent quarterback with starting experience. If you play pretty well and they don't bring you back, you hit the open market and you get a raise probably. <laughs> you know, If you play real well, they keep you, and you get 27 and a half next year. That's a ton, though. Do you prediction? Do you think that he gets that big money from the Bills? Do you think he plays well enough for it to work out for for the team? I think he's an ideal fit in this offense. I mean, if you remember, their offense coordinator came over from San Francisco and was Kaepernick's coach. They're going to be a run first team. They're going to incorporate quarterback running. Um, he's also a very good deep passer. They're going to take shots downfield for sure. That's going to be a foundation. Uh, mostly with Sammy Watkins. I thought he got better and better as the season went on. But I also, 
Our boy Mike Sando did quarterback ranks. I don't know if you noticed him over at ESPN. And yep. and I did, you know, I, I, I reacted to that and had Taylor basically in the 22nd to 25th area of, you know, where he stands amongst quarterbacks right now. Well, you know, the 22nd or 25th ranked starting quarterback isn't worth $27.5 million. I do think the arrow's going up. You know, I've heard good things about his work ethic. I think he's improving as a passer, as a pocket player. So I don't know. I mean, I think he's getting better. And always the case with quarterbacks, they're going to get, you know, they're going to get overpaid no matter what. I mean, Brock Osweiler is not worth what he's making, but he's better than what the Texans played with last year. Right. Well, let's go to another quarterback situation. And I was we talked about it last week, and I was going to hold off on it this week and say, you know what, there's probably going to be plenty to talk about this next week. But it just seems to be getting a little more weirder by the day, and I think we need to talk about Colin Kaepernick. He hasn't thrown a pass in six days. He had a good practice right before he they said uh, he's got a little arm fatigue. And then ESPN yesterday, and he doesn't play in the first preseason game, and then ESPN yesterday says he has a dead arm and it's gonna, he's going to be okay. Now today, the, just a little bit ago, the 49ers signed Christian Ponder to a one-year deal. Are we starting to see the setup of Colin Kaepernick being removed from the roster in San Francisco? whether it's a cut, a trade, or uh, an IR. I mean, it, it, seems like, it seems like his chances of sticking or helping this team is going away in a very kind of meek way, a dead arm, you know. I mean, probably every quarterback in the league has a, a sore arm at this point. Yeah, and he didn't play at all this past weekend. And the offense played He's very well, He's not going to play this weekend. I mean, when's he going to play? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I I don't know. You know, going into the preseason, going before anyone took any snaps of live action, you're reading the Gabberts ahead of him on the depth chart, which I can see. You know, I mean, Gabbert played pretty well last year. Um, he moves better than people think. I think he's a quicker decision maker. I think he can handle the up-tempo better than Kaepernick. His ceiling obviously isn't as high. But Kaepernick was a top-ten pick. I mean, it's not like he's – devoid of talent, you know, and, and I could see where Kelly would prefer Gabbert. Um, I also think I know that they like the Driscoll kid that they drafted this year. I don't think Ponder's in the equation, um, but the, the guy that, that played, that backed up Gabbert, and I can't I forget his name, also, Lewis, Thaddeus Lewis, he's out for the year, so I think you bring Ponder in there, and maybe he's your three or two, or I don't know. And Ponder doesn't factor in the equation, obviously. But I bet if they could get a draft pick out of Kaepernick, they would do it in a heartbeat. Still, you got to showcase. You got to play them, though. Yeah, it's just they've handled it so weird. I mean, they handled it yeah. weird last year, and now a new coach, and it's even weirder. I mean, and they give them, you know, they, they they took his salary this year where they didn't have to, and they could have just cut him. It just it's getting more peculiar. By you know, every month it gets weirder, and now it's getting weirder every day. Yeah, I don't have much more to add than that, except for it wouldn't shock me if they like Gabbard better, and I'm okay with that. I mean, I, I don't know that that's a massive black mark on Kaepernick, um, but I, I don't understand. you got to play him. I mean, unless he's legitimately hurt, which doesn't sound like this. Is, I'm not buying that, which it doesn't sound like you are either. Right. Um, you, you, you think the 49ers? I, I think the 49ers and the 
in the Cleveland Browns have the worst quarterback situation in the league. You know, I mean, obviously there's battles going on in Denver and in and in L.A., but in Denver has Lynch for the future. L.A. has Goff for the future. You know, Philadelphia certainly has Lynch for the future. The, the 49ers and, and Browns are bad right now, and there's no escape button to get them better for the future right now. I mean, do you agree that these are two bleak, bleak situations at the most important position in the league? Yes, I think for 2015, though, Denver has the worst quarterback situation, and maybe the Rams too. I mean, depending how – I just have no faith in Keenum, see how Goff plays. I don't trust Lynch for this year. I don't think Sanchez is good at football, and I think Simeon is enticing basically because he's not Sanchez or Lynch right now, and he's been around the system. But I hear you. I mean, at least they have first-round picks in the building, though. You know, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's hope for the future. What did right. you see out right. of the Denver um, quarterbacks? As we talked last Tuesday, you know, I had just seen them, and nobody stood out. And, I, you know, the vibe there was that nobody was standing out for the first two weeks. And then you look at their stats, and every all three of those guys, Sanchez, Simeon, and Lynch, played pretty well. And, and if you look at their composite stats, it was a good quarterback day from the, you know, from the Denver Broncos in Chicago. And neither the Rams and especially the Broncos, and we, I mean, obviously we saw it last year. You know, they don't need John Elway in his prime. You know, I mean, they're going right. to win with defense in a running game. Denver did it to a, an amazing degree last year. I mean, Manning was a liability. They turned the ball over a lot at that position too. But I'm with you. Although I think the similarities in Cleveland and San Francisco are striking because Kaepernick, Gabbard, RG3 all have ability. You know, they've they were they've high draft pedigree. There's they have not similar career paths, but they've crashed and burned after you know either you know Kaepernick and RG3 initially had success. They they've done good things. Gabbard hasn't, but he's sort of reviving his career. Played pretty well last year. Again, all three were high picks. Were all high upside guys. And I think what both organizations are doing right now are let's give all let's give those guys a year. Let Hugh Jackson and Chip Kelly, who are quote quarterback whispers for very different reasons, coach the hell out of these guys, and maybe we catch lightning in the bottle and end up with a reasonably cheap option and don't have to use the draft pick next year on the position. That probably won't happen, but at least it's a shot, especially in Cleveland. And the thing I keep going back to with these teams are they're both bad. You know, they're both going to draft in the top five next year anyways. You know, and and it's supposed to not be as good a quarterback class as this past one or the year before, you know, Winston Mariota. Um, But Deshaun Watson, kid from Clemson, you know, these guys are going to have a shot at their quarterback next year. Yeah, but that's what's so tough about the NFL. You never know if that's going to be your answer. I mean, you know, look at you know the Raiders. Not picking on them, but 2007 they have the number one pick. They take Jamarcus Russell, and it puts the you know franchise back five six years. So there's no right. guarantee that you're going to get your guy next year either. Absolutely, but it. I, I think the two of us are both pretty confident that the Browns and Niners, especially the Browns, are going to lose a lot of games, though. I mean, they're going to have a crack at 
whoever the top quarterback is. Yeah, I, I would say so. I would say that they'll they'll lose enough games to be in that uh, position. Did you see? Have you watched Especially the, the Browns, Broncos? I, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but it's, the the Browns are going to have a ton of draft picks too. I mean, after trading down, the, you know, they're they're going to be able to have the capital to go get their guy if they're not picking first. Right. Did you see the uh, the Broncos quarterbacks play against Chicago? Yeah, and I wasn't super impressed with any of them. Um, Lynch clearly has the most ability. Uh, I thought he struggled. He didn't throw the ball downfield all that much. Um, others seemed to disagree with me and were higher on his showing than I was. Uh, I think, you know, I think Simeon it, it has the best feel of the three for the for the offense. You know, for Kubiak's scheme, but certainly the lowest, you know, ceiling for sure. I mean, I think he's the ultimate smart caretaker that has a little bit of juice as a runner. But, I mean, he's he's a backup for sure. I think Sanchez is who he is at this stage of his career. When right. I've been a fan since day one. Right. right. And another bit of news today that I want to get to, and I'm kind of surprised to, you know, to see that early in the morning was that the Titans traded Doriel Green Beckham to the Eagles for an offensive lineman named Dennis Kelly. I kind of like to think I know the league pretty well. I don't know who Dennis Kelly is. Um, you know, DGB is a guy that was a second-round pick and has some ability. Were you a little surprised by that deal? Absolutely, because Green Beckham, he wasn't drafted by this, you know, this uh, regime, but... He was a very early second-round pick, the same year Mariota was drafted, you know, with the intention Last of... Last year. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you know, let, let's let's let these guys develop in the league together. They'll grow up together. He's loaded with ability. He was once the top-recruited receiver in the country going into college, and you can see why. He looks like Calvin Johnson. He enters the league without playing his senior year and still is that high a pick. Tons of ability there, but you're also seeing him last year. You know, reports that he doesn't know how to line up. You know, his work ethic's terrible. He had off the field concerns coming into the league. Then they go out and they sign Andre Johnson after, you know, bringing in guys like Matthews. He's not a world beater, but they gave him decent money. And they signed Andre Johnson. And when, I, when that one happened, I was like, well, where's he fit? You know, they don't have enough receivers to even fit them all on the roster. It was a two year deal for Andre Johnson. And, well, I think they're just sick of Green Beckham. You know, if you're not going to work hard, we're going to ship you out. But what they got in return, like you said, I mean, they, they get a backup lineman. Then Kelly is a backup lineman. I mean, he can play guard, he can play tackle, he could probably play any of those four spots other than center. Maybe he's your sixth lineman at best. He's certainly not a starter. And the Eagles didn't have a lot of line depth to begin with and ship him out, you know, I think the deal makes a lot of sense for Philadelphia. I think it makes sense for the for the Titans in this regard. Hey, we're rebuilding. If you're not going to work hard, we're shipping you out. Beat it. You know, the, the, they just don't want them there. And maybe they were even going to cut them anyways. I mean, Tajay Sharp was playing over them on the depth chart, and then you sign Andre Johnson. But, wow, I mean, this guy has a super high ceiling. The Eagles' receivers are – very problematic. They need playmakers in a big way on that offense at all positions. So I, I certainly see the risk 
I, I can see why the Eagles would take the risk on him again. But, you know, maybe you know, interesting. You know, the, the Titans got a load of draft picks in that Goff trade, so they are going to have a lot of draft picks, and they have a lot of draft picks this year. So they say, okay, this guy doesn't fit us. We don't like him. He was a second round pick. It wasn't our second round pick, but it was still we can, we're okay with dumping him because we're going to get get an opportunity to have younger players anyways. And it, but it was quite the message. They could have traded him for a conditional. And they probably right. could have got a conditional four or five, you know, depending on the conditions. But to, to trade him for a no-name offensive lineman who's just going to give you depth rather than the, an excitement of, hey, we can get a conditional four or fifth-round pick next year. And he, who knows what that can turn into. But it's almost like a message. We're just getting rid of this guy. He, he's not for us. Yeah. It, it, you know what? I, I thought the exact same thing that you just said. But the Eagles might not even have that pick. I mean, they gave up so many picks for Wentz. That they may not be in the market of shopping any draft picks at this True point. Story. True you know, story. You know, they just gave up a lot. That hey, we'd like to take Green Beckham off your hands, but we can't give up a pick. You know, I'm sorry, we don't have them anymore, yeah, and we got to keep the ones we point. have. And if you look at the the Titans, they spent a lot of money on offensive linemen. You know, they used their first round pick on Jack Conklin. They want to surround Mariota, and they want to run the ball a ton. So. Hey, we'll take a depth lineman off your hands because that's how we're going to play football. Yeah, you're right. I, I think it's a good deal for the Eagles, even if it doesn't work out. Yeah. Hey, we got a shot at a really raw, good talent, and yeah, he's a knucklehead. We agree with the Titans, but we didn't give you much for him, so it's worth a flyer for the uh, for the Eagles, I believe. I'd rather have him than Reuben Randall, who's going to you know schedule the play right. for them. We know right what now. we got there, right? Hey, another bit of news today, um, Jerry Jones is a senior, not a senior, that was Kenny Easley yesterday, great uh, Seattle Seahawk safety. Today it was contributor list day, Jerry Jones and former commissioner Paul Talbiabu. Real quick, Jerry a Hall of Famer in your eyes? Is Jerry Jones a Hall of Famer? Yeah, I mean, he's up for election next, you know, February. Yes, I think so. I mean, I, I think that's a really hard. I, I mean, like, I can't put Jerry Jones in over like an Orlando Pace or a Marvin Harrison. Who just, you know what I mean? Right. I, I almost feel like one contributor should go in every year, and they, they should have their own wing. You know what I mean? Like the Bartolo went in this past year. Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, yes, I mean, I think they don't quote me, but I think they do have their own wing. I do yeah, I'm saying maybe so. I'm sitting there thinking like maybe that is already existent. I'm, I'm not. I always feel like coaches should be different than players. Owners should be different than coaches. Um, commissioners should be better than should be different than owners when you're looking at Hall of Fame. But yeah, I mean, I think Jerry Jones goes. I mean, that Cowboys franchise, with all respect to Tom Landry was in shambles when he took it over and just the fact that the the team that they assembled the Aikman, Irvin, Emmett Cowboys, they should have won more than two. I mean, they had the best offensive line in history maybe. That was an awesome football team and uh, yeah, well, I, I guess Jerry might be the reason they didn't win more than two. I don't know, I'm on the fence on that one. I've never thought of him, I, I've never thought about is Jerry Jones a Hall of Famer until right this second and my initial thought was yes, which usually that's one of my tests. You know, it's Brett Favre a Hall of Famer. Yep, okay. You know, like, is Terrell right. Davis Hall of Famer? Nah, I don't think so. Well, then he's not a Hall of Famer. Right. And Jones, 
yes, he built a great team. Yes, he built a great stadium, but he's also meddled. You know, I mean, he's also part of the reason that amazing roster didn't win more than two. Yeah, he's also a real big factor in the NFL, you know, for better or worse. worse. But, you know, I mean, he, with the TV contracts and the CBA, yeah. and, you know, he's a big face of the NFL for, you know, a quarter of a century. And it goes back to the old, you know, Hall of Fame test. Can you write the history of the game without mentioning that person? And you absolutely can't do that without mentioning Jerry Jones. But I don't know how strong of a statement that is because I don't. I'm kind of with you. Yeah, he's probably a Hall of Famer, but I'm not sure. But it, it probably goes to just him being an owner and not a player. You know, I, I think I think we look at players first, and the, and the coaches and the play and the owners a, a little separately. So. If he gets in, it's certainly not a travesty at all. I think, you know, there's certainly uh, – he has his place in NFL history. Absolutely. And he's a flamboyant owner, takes over a, you know, the most maybe recognized team in the league. So, you know, he built this gigantic stadium. Uh, I wouldn't have a problem with him going, but I can make an argument against him too. You know, and uh, – if you look at all the owners, is he in the top two percent, or you know, is he one of the best owners in the league right as we speak right now? I don't know. I mean, I, I wouldn't say clearly. You know, that's, I did a you know one one of the off season projects that we had at ESPN. I had to talk to NFL coaches and who was you know the best this best that, and, and they voted Jerry Jones the best owner in the league. Oh, really? And this is about five, six years ago. So, and, and guess what? Jerry was very eager to talk to me about that. He, I got him on the phone really quickly. So <laughs> he, was, he, was, he was all into that honor. So you think in terms of the 32 teams that Dallas is near or at the top of the list of who coaches want to coach for and who players want to play for? Players probably, coaches, I don't know, because you go back to the meddling. But, you, yeah. you know, it's pretty amazing. Jason Garrett's been there since 2010. That's six years. That's a long time in the NFL. You know, don't I mean, you, I don't have don't to feel like he's kind of learned his lesson a little bit, though, longevity, But he has to be in the top ten. So, I mean, yeah, he meddles, yeah. but he doesn't, he doesn't fire people prematurely necessarily. At least he hasn't in this case. I feel like he's learned his lesson, you know, that he's starting to give his son a lot more responsibility. They, he, he, like you said, he's not, he's showing patience, which is absolutely crucial in this league. And they've drafted well. You know, I mean, they just re-signed um, Fredrickson, the, 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 the center, to a long-term deal. I think he's the best center in the league. You know, they're, they're, he didn't take Manziel. You know, they're, they take the offensive linemen over Manziel. That they're, they're, they're doing some smart things there, you know, long-term, not just rolling the dice and signing huge free agents left and right. I feel like Daniel Snyder's doing that, too. Yeah, interesting. They, they, uh, make, so they do learn their lesson after 20 years or so. No question. Hey, let's talk about a preseason game. What did you think about Jimmy Garoppolo? Because we're certainly going to be talking about him a lot for the first four games of the season in New England. 
Yeah, you know, I, I think he's he, he kind of reminds me of Romo a little bit. You know, same school, good athlete. Gets a, he's got a quick release. Um, I thought he played okay, and he's been he's going to get a lot of snaps between now and opening day. But they're going to have to change the offense a little bit in that he just doesn't get the ball out of his hands like Brady does, you know, in 2.2 seconds. And and that's unfair. He's just not going to read the defense like Brady and just dissect teams like Brady. Of course, nobody does. But I'm excited to see him. I'm, I kind of am on the fence on him, too. And there's not many guys I'm on the fence on. It's two in a row with Jones and Garoppolo. But I think they can go – Two and two, three and one with him, and I think he can be a high-end backup and maybe develop into a starter one day soon, um, and then look out when Brady gets back. So you don't think we're going to see the way Matt Castle clicked that one year when Brady broke his leg? Because in a lot of ways, or at the ACL, excuse me, in a lot of ways it was you know business as usual for that offense. You don't know if it's going to be exactly that that way for these four games. No, but I also think schematically we're not going to see it in the preseason, but Belichick's going to do things differently, you know, that maybe we just have more designed quarterback movement, you know, things you would never do with Brady, rollouts and bootlegs and maybe a design, you know, quarterback draw here and there, those type of things. Um, Of course, we're not going to see that on tape. But I'm interested. You know, I'm, I'm really interested to see how they play football in Arizona against a very, very good team in week one. So this is going to be a, a big challenge for Josh McDaniels, the offensive coordinator. He's going to be able to spread his wings a little bit more as far as the playbook goes because he may have to for this first quarter of the season. Agreed. You know, but I think the line is – way better now than when we saw it last when Brady was getting hit 20 times or whatever. They bring yeah. back Skarnakia. The tackles are healthy. They're really deep now with interior options. Um, you know, you bring in Martellus Bennett. I mean, I think they can play power football with the offensive line, two big tight ends. Gronkowski got injured, and it sounds like he avoided a scare yesterday. Um, so I think Garoppolo will have more around him than people tend to realize. You know, they can play power football with LeGarrette Blunt or even with a smaller back like Deion Lewis. So I think they'll be fine. You know, the defense, I think, is going to be very good again. They're always great on special teams. So, you know, maybe they get blown out by Arizona in week one, but Arizona might blow out a lot of teams. I mean, I still think they go 2-2 two and two at worst with Garoppolo. Right, interesting. Let's stay at the quarterback position. Let's go through uh, three rookies, uh, their preseason play, uh, Goff, Wentz, and Dak Prescott. What did you see from these guys? Prescott was a superstar. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he really was. I mean, he blew me away. I think that's the – a lot of rookies showed up big, and I've been talking about that in some other outlets here. Um it shocked me that in week one, that's something I always want to talk about. Boy, the rookies, you know, you see them in their new uniforms and all that. But there was a handful of rookies that showed up really big this weekend, but none more than Prescott. I think he's the story of week one. He was fantastic. And not that Goff went, and we talked about Lynch a little bit too, um, 
you know, they look like rookie quarterbacks to me. You know, Wentz mm-hmm. broke his rib. That's a problem, but he showed some poise. You know, you can see the arm. You know, Lynch looked overwhelmed, but certainly there's ability there. Uh, Goff supposedly hurt his shoulder, which is why he didn't come back in the second half, but it's not serious. He just didn't look great uh, of the three. Um, but Prescott looked fantastic, and so did Des Bryant, which thrown to Des Bryant didn't hurt, but Prescott stood alone and, and dominated. Did he, I mean, did he look, this is going to be a tough question because I didn't know how I wanted to say it, but was he clearly the best player of, of all the rookie quarterbacks, and or, or was it just maybe he had better players around him, you know, the situation was different, the team he was playing, those backups were different. I mean, was he the best player amongst those four? I mean, I wouldn't say I want him over those guys by any means, but he definitely played the best of those, and it's not even close. I mean, and he also had the benefit, unlike the other ones, of he started the game. You know, none of those other guys were even the starter. Um, behind the best That's offensive even more line in the league, right? But he played the best too, and uh, I don't know how many players too. What's that? He played against the better players as well. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Um, you know, without Ezekiel Elliott to hand the ball to, you know, Jason Witten didn't play either. Um, and you know that they're putting Romo on a pitch count, um, even in training camp. So I think Prescott's getting a lot of reps in practice, and he's eating them up. I mean, he looks great. So there's maybe there's another smart move by Jerry Jones that we're talking about, you know? Maybe maybe he hit it with this guy in the fourth round. I think it's possible. I mean, we've seen a half of football or whatever, but right. it was great. Very interesting, very interesting. Now, RG3, he didn't play very well, did he? No, but he hit Terrell Pryor on a pass, and the interception he threw, I watched probably five or six times, and he at least took the risk. It was a great interception by Hyde. And I also want to – I think Barnage is the one that screwed that up more than Griffin. He was late to get his head around. So I, I don't know that he played terrible. I mean, he, he did good things, and there's something to work with there. He throws the football well. So you're not, you're not overly uh... – discouraged by that performance no but he was a terrible quarterback last we saw him I think it's you know like we talked about it's worth the risk risk though to go a year with RG3 and if you can turn him into a player wow you got something there right right the team I want to talk about the team I've been kind of high on all offseason I think they're really building something I think they're very similar to the Raiders um, they're, they're definitely on the come, and they're going to stay there for for a while. The Jacksonville, Jacksonville Jaguars, and we haven't talked much about them on the No Relation NFL podcast with Matt and Bill Williams in the first month or so. Did you watch their pre, their first preseason game? I did. Um, the running backs looked very good. Allen Robinson was awesome last year, and looks like he took it up another level, which is amazing. Uh, the defense certainly has talent. You, you know, the, the, the secondary is much improved. Uh, Amu playing well for them. Ramsey, Jack really showed up in his, his first game, too. And you're reading great things about Fowler, last year's first-round pick. So 
I will probably pick them to win that division. Is that right? I know you're not high on that division, but, I mean, they could be, like, the best team in that division by a, a bit, right? They may not squeak to the division title. They might win it by two games. They might, you know, and probably with the exception of Tennessee, although, I, you know, they looked really good this week, too, on offense, running the ball. Um, I could probably make an argument for any of those teams to win that division, though. I mean, Houston's not going to go away. i got to think Indianapolis is better than they were last year, although I don't really like their defense one bit. So, um, but if any team were to run away with, the def- with that division, that might be the team. You know, if everything hits there, they could be very good. Well, interesting. Yeah, I mean... Again, you, I know we've talked about this before. Raiders and Jaguars may be kind of the flavors of the AFC for for next few years, couldn't they? Absolutely. You know, yeah. I, I, I I talk about this a lot, and I think we talked about it even last week, that Winston, Mariota, Carr, and Bortles, to me, are the next great quarterbacks, and they certainly have the supporting cast around them. Wow, you know, in a, Jacksonville and in in, Tennessee, in Jacksonville and in Oakland, like you said. Right, right, right. Hey, did you see Eddie Lacy at all? I heard he had a pretty good day. I did, and I don't know that he looks a lot leaner to me or not. Um, I think their offensive line is very good and played very well, even though not everyone started on that group. Um, yeah, I I don't love Eddie Lacy. Yeah, I think he's good, not great. But, yeah, he, he looked okay. Right. Okay. Is there anybody that we missed that really stood out to you, good or bad, in the preseason in your in your film review? Sort of talked about it. And I think I've seen 12 of the games so far, and I'll watch some more tonight. Um, Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry looked great. And i got to be honest, I didn't like him out of Alabama. Uh, I kind of said, boy, I don't think this kid's going to be good. I think he'll be okay, not great. Um, he was great. He was kind of the Dak Prescott of running backs. Is that right? Yeah. Why didn't and you like him? I thought I, I'm kind of biased against tall running backs. Um, I don't think he changes directions all that great. I thought he was going to be a Brandon Jacobs type of player. He changed direction a lot better than I expected on this day. Um, the Chargers' run defense was as bad as it was last year, though, and obviously they didn't have Bosa, and I don't think they played Meebane, but um, he was a dominant player, and even um, Bishop Sankey late in the game was running all over those guys, and DeMarco Murray, another guy I don't like. I don't like Sankey either. I don't like all three of them, <laughs> and mm-hmm. all three of them were running all over the Chargers and threw some big holes for sure. Henry, to me, was the most impressive, though, of making yardage on his own. Wow, interesting. I know you've been high on the charges. We've talked about that. I know you just mentioned that the run defense was terrible. How did you? How did the rest of the charges look, at least you know, from what we saw from the first team? Are you still high on them after watching their first preseason game? Uh, the first preseason game was not encouraging. I mean, that's yeah. for sure. But especially the defense. And like I said, they got beat up on, on defense. Um, but, you know, you got to get Bosa in, and I think that'll be better than it was a year ago. It was only one game. 
Um, that one thing get in here. I mean, season is coming up. We talked a lot of last week. There's yeah, been no yeah. more progress in a week. It's 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 beyond stupid. It's been three weeks. I mean, it, everybody's not. getting hurt here. It's got to end. Although uh, the one good thing I want to say about the Chargers, though, and this is a really encouraging sign, Melvin Gordon played very well, and he's another yeah. guy I haven't liked that much. And if he can be. Not even a star. I don't even be Adrian Peterson, but if he can live up to you know first round billing and be a good running back, that'll go a really long way for them. Interesting. Well, I mean, he uh, when I was out there last two weeks ago, now they they thought that he was going to come on, so it's uh, it's good for them. Another running back I want to talk about healthy. from the preseason, Mike Davis in San Francisco. A lot of people are excited about him. Did you get to see a chance to see him? Yeah, yeah. I mean, San Francisco, you know, we talked about their quarterback situation a little bit. I think they had 300 yards in the first half. You know, ran a ton of snaps. Hyde looked really good. Davis looked tremendous. Drones was running through some big holes, too. Um, Davis looks like he's leaner. He played, he was a good player in, in college. And I think he's going to be an excellent backup to Hyde and play a lot. You know, Chip Kelly's not just going to play one guy, they play too many snaps. Are you a Hyde guy? Do you think he can turn it? I know yeah. he's, he's flashed some, but this is his third year now, and a lot was expected. Do you think he can be a legit guy? Yes. I mean, I think he could be a pro bowler. I think he can be a top five running back or so in this league. He catches the ball better than people realize. He thrived in a similar system at Ohio State. Yeah, I think Hyde's in for a big year. Interesting. We want to wrap up the show. Long show. Uh, appreciate you folks listening. Uh, appreciate Matt playing along with this. Um, Jamal Charles is, you know, back from the injury. He's going to start practicing here. He's, I think he's going to be 29 this year if he's not 29 already. Is this going to be his last hurrah? I mean, does he even have a hurrah left? I don't know. If I were them, I wouldn't play him a lot in the preseason. I don't think he gets the credit he deserves big picture career-wise. I think he's a potential Hall of Famer. You know, I mean, his yards per carry are crazy. Um, If he plays, you know, if he puts together two or three high-quality seasons, I think he's an easy Hall of Famer. You know, I don't know that he's quite Adrian Peterson, but I think he's the next tier of running backs of this generation. I'm real curious to see how he responds at his age. Is he as elusive and as fast as he was? Um, they signed two running backs as contingency plans. I don't know. Uh, I, you know, like for the fantasy world, I'm not drafting him in the first round like some people are. I just don't know. But I'm rooting for him. I think he's got a chance to be great once again. I'm not doubting him. Uh, I'm curious. I'm real curious to see how he looks, and I bet we don't know until really week one. You know, I, I'm. I would answer that the same way, and I do think he's a borderline Hall of Famer. He's had a terrific career out of Texas, and uh, if he can put a couple more big years on the board and, and come back from two major injuries, I, I think he's a Hall of Famer. I think if he quits right now, he's on the outside looking in but has a strong case and if he can do two more real high quality years I think he goes. Yeah. Yeah. Well great. Well thank you everybody. This is this week's No Relation NFL podcast with Matt and Bill Williamson. 
Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next week.